Good afternoon, everyone, and thank you to Dylan and the elders for giving me this chance to open God's Word. So the title of this, of this message is, is going to be Everlasting Life from Our Everlasting God, and I would like to talk about this because, number one, it's all about God. Number two, we're all going to die, and number, and number three, I'm just stating the obvious, and number three, these physical bodies are actually wasting away. The Bible clearly says that God is eternal, with, with no beginning and with no end. God is the Alpha and the Omega. God remains forever. God's years cannot be counted because God has no years. God is everlasting. And as we were singing, God is the ancient of days. I love the way that Psalm 102 puts it. In the beginning, you laid the foundations of the earth, and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you remain. They will wear out like an old cloth. Here's my old cloth. They will wear out like an old cloth, like clothing, you will change them and they will be discarded. But you remain the same and your years will never end. So there you have it, the unmovable fact that our God is everlasting. Now, from this place, I think there are three things that we should do. Number one, we should hear that God is everlasting. Number two, we, we, sh we should understand it. And number three, we should find everlasting life from our everlasting God. Isaiah 40 verse 28 reads, do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God. So I want to ask each one of us, have you heard that God is everlasting? Do you understand it in that thing between your ears? If you have never heard, well now you have. I want to declare it to you, I am not lying, I'm telling you the truth. Our God remains forever. So now you've heard it. If you do not understand this, well, it's my prayer that you will understand that the Lord has no beginning and no end. Let's just think about it. We have a birthday. I've got a birthday, 12th of May, 1986. You've got a birthday. But God does not have a birthday. God was not born in Christmas. God does not have a birthday. We all will have a death day, but God does not have a death day. Your shoes, your car, your surfboard will all come to an end. But, but our God will never come to an end. The candle burning in your house will burn out, but God is an eternal flame who will never burn out. This, even the sun in the sky will one day cease to exist. It'll become, what's it called, a, a supernova or something like that. It'll basically die out. But the sun of righteousness will burn brightly forever. Human kingdoms, let's just think about human kingdoms such as Manchester United, the Springboks, 
Or maybe closer to home in your area, some gang, like the hard livings gangs or the Americans, they think they're tough, but they will end. And only our God will remain forever. Now, when I look at the energy of my children, I remember how I was when I was young. I grew up in a nature reserve, and I used to swing from tree to tree like a monkey and build tree houses. I remember running three, three minutes a K at the age of 13. But now I'm 37 years old, and I tell you, I cannot do what I used to do. However, our God is not like this. God never grows tired or weary. And you know what? We can find great comfort in this because my loved ones will wonder, could not be here tomorrow. Your wife could die tomorrow, but your God remains forever. So now you understand it, right? So we hear and understand that God lives forever, but we also receive everlasting life from our everlasting God. When the Bible talks about everlasting life, it means two things, both the quantity of life, so how many years, it's how long, and that is forever. Secondly, it talks about the quality of life, how good it is. You could talk about top quality life. I'm not going to be talking about top quality life, but that's when the Bible talks about everlasting life, it talks about top quality life and how long. I'm just going to focus on the how long, although I do touch on it briefly, but I'm focusing on the how long. But this everlasting life starts today, and it continues as we believe in the Lord Jesus. We know this because God so loved the world that he sent his one and only son, so that whoever believes in him will have everlasting life. This fact about believing God the Son, who is Jesus Christ our Lord, for everlasting life, it's repeated over and over and over again in the New Testament. In 1 John 5.11, we read that God has given us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. Jesus himself says, I give them eternal life and they will never perish. Remember what Jesus said to the woman at the well. I think it's coming up. Everyone who drinks this water, so I brought another prop. Here's some water here. Anyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give him or her will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Paul teaches that the the wages of sin is death. The payment of sin is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. Everyone who looks to the Son, everyone who looks to the Son and believes in Him shall have eternal life. And I will raise them up on the last day. And of course, what is the purpose of the book of John? those who love the book of John. John 20, it says, these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. So life in the name of Jesus. Oh, may we believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. I urge you, I urge you to receive everlasting life from my everlasting God. Look to the Son now. Look now and receive everlasting life. Turn to the Lord and be saved. 
Jesus is standing at the door of your life knocking. He's knocking right now. And he says, here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. Friends, I, 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 really, I really pray that right now you will, you will see Jesus, that you will see him because he's here with us. When the church gathers, Jesus is manifest. I pray that you will see him who was pierced for our rebellion. He was crushed for our sins. Upon him, I have a bit of an easier translation. <laughs> he was pierced for our rebellion, crushed for our sins, beaten so we could make, be, be made whole, whipped so we could be healed. You must understand that all of us, like sheep, have strayed away. We have left God's path to follow our own. Yet the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. See the risen Lord Jesus right now. See it through the word. See him who stands as the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Pray that we would all bow before the Lord Jesus and receive eternal life. So at the start of the message, I mentioned that I would talk about everlasting life from our everlasting God. And that's because, number one, it's all about God. Now, number two is because we're all going to die. Number three, because our bodies are wasting away. I've, I've spent some time talking about God and everlasting life, just brushing briefly on it. But now I want to turn and talk about death and the fact that outwardly we are wasting away. Any one of us could die today, including our loved ones. I've, I've been to a few fun funerals in my life, um, more than I would like to, actually even though I'm 37, and I remember one it was of a childhood friend. We, I first met him when I was 14, and we did a lot of adventures together, sleeping in the bush. I remember once we, we were sleeping out in the wild, out in the open, and in the morning we woke up and found a, a black mamba snake literally in the bush next to where we were sleeping. Like, we, we I mean, we, we had a lot of adventures, but sadly, when, when we were 30, he caught cancer and died very quickly. Um, he was fit, very fit, very healthy, and yet he still caught cancer, died at the age of 30. And I remember watching him die. And if you've ever watched someone die of cancer, it's very traumatic because they become thinner and thinner and thinner and thinner. And then he breathed his last breath. And I was there on the Sunday. I left and he died a few hours after I'd left. Now, any one of us could die today or tomorrow or the next day. And so the question I have for you is, are you ready for death? My goal in sharing this is not to scare you. It's not to manipulate you into accepting Christianity. I'm not trying to manipulate or scare anyone. I'm just stating the obvious that we are all going to die once. Except those who are alive when Jesus comes back the same way he left. And yes, Jesus will come back. But this does not change the fact that any one of us could die even the second. And so the question still remains, even though Jesus is coming back and those who are alive when he comes back won't die, but we don't know when he's coming back. So the question still remains, are you ready for death? Now, those who believe in Jesus are ready for death because as Jesus says, whoever hears my word and believes in him who sent me has eternal life. 
uh, he does not come into, into judgment, but it has passed from death to life. However, the truth is if you do not believe the words of Jesus, if you do not confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, if you do not call on the name of the Lord, if you do not follow the one who overcame death, then what hope do you have in death? You have nothing. I put to you that you're not ready for death. And this might sound exclusive and I might sound like a bigot for saying that it's only through Jesus that you have life after death. But just look at the facts. Who else in history died and rose again? I tell you what, Muhammad did not. The Buddha did not. No other religious or political leader died and rose again. So what other hope do we have? There's no one who died and conquered death. That's why I say to you, if you declare that Jesus is Lord, if you believe that Jesus has been raised from the dead, if you have called on the name of the Lord, Romans 10, 13, if then you have something to rejoice in today. You have something to rejoice. Because as Paul said, I will be with Christ. So Paul said that he longs to die and be with Jesus. But it's better for us that he, well, not us now because obviously Paul's dead now, but he was talking about the church when Paul was alive. He said, To them, he said, it's better that I stay for you, but I would rather die and be with Jesus. That's what he says in Philippians chapter one. (laughs) Now, so not only will we die and be with Jesus, but guess what? The news is even better. Well, I guess, I mean, seeing seeing Jesus is the best thing. But the news, the good news is even more, we'll be given a body that will never die. And it's spoken about in 1 Corinthians 15. And in 1 Corinthians 15, Paul walks through this everlasting body that is to come. Now, I don't have, great, I don't have time to go into all the nitty-gritty details because that's not the purpose of the sermon. The sermon is about everlasting life from my everlasting God. But I do want to touch on this because it's important. And Paul teaches that we will all be transformed. It will happen in a moment, in the blink of an eye, when the last trumpet is blown, For when the trumpet sounds, those who have died will be raised forever. Those who have died will be raised forever. And we who are living, so that's obviously living when this happens, will also be transformed. For our dying bodies must be transformed into bodies that will never die. Our mortal bodies must be transformed into immortal bodies. Then when our dying bodies are being transformed into into bodies that will never die, when this happens, we will say death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? Oh, the joys for us who believe in Jesus, that we are looking forward to not only seeing God face to face. Right now, we see God as through a window. You can't really see outside the window. You can look. It's a little bit fuzzy, right? And as Christians, When we look at God and we try to understand reality, because remember, this is not reality. This is a spiritual world and we are physical beings. That's the reality. Now, when we look at God, it's like looking through a window. It's like, hey, do you even feel like this? It's like, you know, Monday morning work comes and you're like, who's who's God again? (laughs) Hey? It's like, 
we, we, we forget. It's like we're looking through this window. But that day after death, when we see God, we'll see him face to face. We will see clearly there, there won't be this blurriness. And in addition to that, those who are believing in Jesus, you will get a new resurrected body. Your body will become immortal. So I'd ask you, do you believe in Jesus? Do you believe in Jesus? Have you, have you bowed your knee before the king? I, I remember the first time I believed in Jesus and received everlasting life. I was 14. I'd been going to a church youth group for a few months. Uh, at the church youth group, this man named Brett would stand up in the youth group. And there were, at that time, there was uh, quite an amazing thing that God was doing in our church. And a lot of youngsters were coming on a Friday night. And I just got kind of caught up in this. I don't even know why I was exactly there, but people were going. And, and so I ended up there. And this man, Brett, he would stand up in the middle of this chaos of teenagers. 400 teenagers getting up to all sorts. You know teenagers. We were skateboarding outside and all sorts. And he would stand up and he would speak about Jesus. And honestly, at first, this thing made no sense. And maybe for you, when I speak about believing in Jesus for everlasting life, when I speak about dying and living forever, when I speak about that God is everlasting, this makes no sense to you. What on earth is this guy up to? It made no sense. It made no sense to me first. But I remember after a few months, it was like, then suddenly it just made sense. And I turned to Jesus. That was when I was 14. And today I'm still turning to Jesus. Because here's the thing is when you believe in Jesus, it's not just a once-off event. Right? Those of us who have been Christians for many years, you believe in Jesus every day, every month. And there are many times when you struggle with your belief in Jesus. You, you are uncertain. Is he even real? But we come back to the foundation, God's word, the death and the resurrection of Jesus who overcame death. We come back to that fact of history. We come back to the blood, the blood of Jesus, which was shed on the cross for the forgiveness of your sins. Because a payment had to be made, right? I, I remember listening to this debate between an atheist and a Christian. And the atheist said, well, like, why did Jesus die? It makes no sense. Well, this is why a payment had to be made for a debt to be paid. And this is where maybe this atheist in his hard heart, and bless him, I pray for him, but in his hard heart, he didn't realize that every day he goes and pays for his food, right? A payment had to be made, and that payment could not be the blood of animals. Because you're not an animal. You're made in the image of God. And so a human had to die. A human had to die. And it had to be a perfect sacrifice. And that's the blood of Jesus. So I'm still believing in this today. And I've tried to run away from God. It's going to get even more personal. I have, I have tried to run away from God. I don't know if you've ever tried to run away from God. But do you know what? God chased me down. The hound of heaven pursued me. If you know that phrase. He pursued me. God chased me down. The Lord found me sick in a cave of darkness. God found me 
caught up in my addictions. And he picked me up like the sheep that I am, and he put me on his shoulders, and he took me back to the pen, rescuing me from my rebellion, roaring over me, he is mine. And indeed, I do belong to Jesus, and so do you. You belong to Jesus. And I tell you what, nothing will stop him coming to find you. You could be lost in, a, in the cave of all sorts of sin and darkness, but he will come to find you. And he did that for me. And so I'm still believing in Jesus for everlasting life now and in the life to come. So there you have it, the hope you have in death. Now, it's kind of taken quicker than I thought. So I'm kind of slowly ending it. But before I'm going to end this, I just want to touch upon um, living in our dying bodies. So... The Bible is crystal clear that even those who are alive with Christ, Ephesians 2.5, are still living in decaying bodies. The Bible's very clear on this. So then how do we live in our dying bodies? Because your body is wasting away. You might not feel it because you're 16 and you're on top of the world. But I mean... Even a 16-year-old is wasting away. I mean, a 16-year-old can break his leg, right? You can be in a car accident. So our bodies are wasting away. So how do, we, how do we live in these dying bodies that will one day be resurrected, right? We believe in Jesus. One day they will be resurrected. We'll be given new bodies. But today, how do we then live in our bodies? And there's, there's two instructions that I would like to give to you from the Bible. The first is to keep your dying body healthy. And the second is to use your dying body for godly activities. So Paul teaches Timothy that physical training is good or bodily training is good. So it's of some value. So, you know, when you go for a run on the road, that is of some value. Do it. I mean, God, God is totally in support of you going to do exercise. The Bible is clear on that. He even tells Timothy to use a little bit of wine for health reasons. For health reasons. For health reasons. <laughs> use a little bit of wine for health reasons. It says that in 1 Timothy 5.23. Go read it. For health reasons. So there, there we see that God actually does care about your body now. Even though it's dying and wasting away, God does care about your body. He cares about your health. And he's supportive when you exercise, take a bath, eat, eat healthily. And I'm speaking to the choir, I'm speaking to myself, because I love chocolate too much. Just, just say that. But it does not end there, right? Right after instructing Timothy about physical training, he then says, it's almost like he's saying, but, you know, training for godliness is much better. Because it promises benefit in this life and in the life to come. Because this body is going to die and you're going to get a new one, right? So even though you're buff and you're strong and you're healthy, that body's still going to die. But if you train for godliness, that's benefit for eternal life, forever. In other words, using your, your, your hands, your feet, your eyes, your arms, your legs, using your bodily members... For the things of God is much more important than physical health. 
For the things, um, yeah, it's much more important. I'm actually genuinely convinced that the reason why a lot of us struggle with physical issues, but also other issues, is actually because of secret sin in our lives. Because we are moral beings primarily. And so when we're living in constant, um, repetitive, sinful behavior, it can produce all sorts of negative effects, which is why using your body for godly activities is very important. Now, at church, we might raise our hands, but at home, a lot of us do what should, what should not be done by a child of God, because you are a child of God. So my question would be, what secret sin do you have in your life? Are, are you training your body for godly living, as, as Paul would say in that verse? Are you using your dying body for the glory of our everlasting God. And kind of turning up the heat here a little bit. Because I, I think it's important, you know, we can, we actually forget that we're actually moral beings primarily. Moral beings. We're made in the image of God. We're moral. And so when our heart is callous towards God, we're like, oh God, I don't care about what you say. I'm going to do my own thing it actually really negatively affects you. For the wages of sin is, you see, it brings death. But the free gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ, my Lord. So I want to remind you of what the Holy Spirit said to the Corinthian church through the pen of the Apostle Paul. He said, run from sexual sin. No other sin so clearly affects the body, that's obviously talking about your dying body, um, as this one does. For sexual immorality is a sin against your own body. Don't you realize that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? You do not belong to yourself for you were bought with a high price so you must honor God with your body. And so coming back to the second way in which we live in our bodies is to honor God with our bodies. So let's just pause there for a second. Think to yourself, have I been honoring God with my physical body this, this week? Have I been honoring God with my physical body? Um, do I, you know, use my hand for, you know, do I, do I use my hands to steal? Do I use my eyes to, to watch pornography? You know, do, I, do I use my tongue for lying? Like, lying is a serious thing. Am I using my bodily member for the glory of God? Because friends, this is all the more urgent for you know how late it is. Time is running out. Wake up for our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. The night is almost gone. The day of salvation will soon be here. And yes, we are still saying Jesus is coming back, but each day is one day closer, right? Each day is one day closer. The day of salvation will soon be here. So remove your dark deeds like a dirty cloth is coming back to my clock. Let us remove these and put on the shining armor of God's Let's remove that and put on the shining armor of God's right living because we belong to the day. We must live decent lives for all to see. So don't participate in the darkness of wild parties and drunkenness or in sexual sin and immoral living, or in quarreling and jealousy. 
Instead, clothe yourself with the presence of the Lord Jesus. And don't let yourselves think about ways to indulge your evil desires. So we are to use our dying bodies for holy activities. But what if I've been using my dying body not for holy activities? What if this week you did lie with your tongue or you stole with your hand or you were jealous over your neighbor's possession? What if this last week you did watch pornography with your eyes or your feet ran to evil? Well, if you're under the conviction of the Holy Spirit right now for these things, I want to remind you that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He is faithful and just to forgive us. He will cleanse you of all unrighteousness. God will forgive you and cleanse you with repentance. The blood of Jesus is our firm foundation for the forgiveness of our sins and the cleansing of all unrighteousness, including the unclean demonic spirits that cling to our flesh through sin. God will cleanse us of those. Because it says in the word of God, resist the devil, he will flee. And you yourself know in the book of Mark how when Jesus would minister, demons would leave people. And there's a lot of demons in the Bible. And it's not like things have changed. And we, we would be shocked to see how much demonic activity is in our lives. But it's through sin. It's our sin. The, the, the only hold the demons have is in your sin. And so therefore, when Jesus died on the cross and we accept his blood, the devil has no authority over us. He has no charge. He has nothing. We, we, we can stand against him by the blood of Jesus. We can resist the devil and he will flee. It's the forgiveness of our sins that happens through the blood of Jesus that uh, is our defense against the powers of darkness. It's the forgiveness of sins that's our defense. Let's just make that clear. So maybe you're like me and you say, I want to do the right thing. I want to do the right thing, but I can't. I want to do what is good, but I don't. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. Oh, what a miserable person I am. Who will free me from this life or this body that is dominated by sin and death? Thank God. The answer is in Jesus Christ, our Lord. And the longer I've been a Christian, the more I've realized how true this is. When temptation comes and when, when the desire for sin comes, you stop and you call in the name of the Lord. Just do it. Do it. The, the more you do it, the easier it becomes. You call on the name of the Lord. You shout and you say, Jesus, save me. Jesus, save me. Jesus, save me from this temptation. Jesus, save me from my sin. Jesus, save me. Save me. Save me. And, and the more you do that, you call on the name of Jesus you will see that the darkness goes, it does. I've seen this in my own life countless times and I've seen it in the lives of others. And I want to encourage us all to keep our dying bodies healthy, but also to use our dying, for, our dying bodies for godly activities. And I hope you're seeing the grace of God because, you know, I, I do not want anyone to become legalistic about this. It's his grace, it's his mercy. And he will come and find you and he will pull you back. 
So can you think about one way this week that you can keep your dying body healthy and one way this week that you can use your dying body for godly activities?